you're here with us.
your spirit is here with us, Lord. We want our praise to ever be on our lips. We want to be just lifting your name up each and every day, knowing that you are the one that we adore, the one that we worship, the one that is our Lord and our Savior, and the one that guides us, Lord. We bow before you today. So, Lord, as we sing and just lift our voices again, just praise your holy name for all that you are. Amen.
Welcome to Crossroads. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? We're glad that you're here today to worship the Lord with us. Just a, just a few announcements today. First of all, if you'd please pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we'd appreciate that. That helps us greatly. And uh, we, we have, uh, God has been doing some really exciting things here on Wednesday nights. If you come up here on Wednesday nights, you'll see our Canopy Kids. It's got a, a full house downstairs for the clubhouse kids. And then our, our teenagers are meeting in the gymnasium for the winter months up here. And uh, they, are, they are really growing. That group is growing, the Connect students. So there's a lot of things that are going on up here on Wednesday night. There's a men's group and a woman's group that meets for adult groups that are meeting. And, uh, and I just want to inv- invite you to come up and be a part of that. Bring your kids, jump into a group. Uh, we have life groups that are meeting all throughout the week. Our life groups are a group of 5 to 12 people. And uh, th- today you can sign up to get into a life group. After church, stop by the life group table in the back of the auditorium here. Rhonda will be there. She'll take your information. We are trying to start as many new groups as we can right now. We're trying to get everybody plugged into a group. So if you, you say, I'd like to be a part of a group, please sign up over there today, and we will, we will get that moving ASAP. Uh, we just want people to be connected. And, and as you connect one to another, we want you to be connected to God and connected to each other, and that's how we grow. So we're, we're thankful for all that God's doing here on Wednesday night and in our life groups. Uh, we have a lot of life groups that started this year, and we're excited to just see what God is going to continue to do here in 2017. And then uh, our Lego race. We have our Lego races coming up on February the 15th. That's a Wednesday evening. So if, uh, if you have young children, fifth grade and under, feel free to, uh, to go downstairs and sign up today. You can register to be a part of the Lego race. That is coming up rather quickly here. Get your kit and you build a Lego car with your kid and you race the cars on that Wednesday night. We're going to have a great time. We invite the community in. It's, it's going to be a, a great night of just uh, community building. So uh, we want to encourage you to be there for that. And, uh, and then, uh, and, and then um, uh, if you have a, uh, maybe you have a grandchild, you'd like to do this for your grandchild, you can bring your grandchild, uh, a neighbor you want to plug in. So just go down, talk to them, and they'll sign up and get you signed up for that. Uh, one, one other announcement, I'd like to ask you to pray for uh, Dale Varega. As you know, Del Varega has been suffering with a brain tumor, and we've been praying for him for, for, for a number of years now. And uh, this, he's really having a trying time with that. Uh, I was over visiting him the other day, and his, just, his speech is affected. Uh, use of his arm and uh, a number of things are really getting affected. He's going through some treatments and things. But um, I want you to just to pray for him, and let's really uphold him in prayer before the Lord. And I know many of you already are, but I'd just like to ask that we have a focused prayer for Del Varega and ask God to continue to, uh, to work in that situation. There's going to be a spaghetti dinner up, up at Hugo's Restaurant. The community's getting behind it to uh, try and help their family, uh, to help the Varega family. That will be on Tuesday, February the 28th, and uh, that's Hugo's Restaurant in Brownsville. So you just go down Toll Road 43. And you'll find Hugo's is not far from here at the church. So um, Diane Mussey will have tickets. Uh, you can always see Diane, or I'm sure you can just get a ticket there that day. But uh, we want to encourage you. Let's go out and support them. But more than that, I want to encourage you to pray. Let's ask God to, to step in and intervene and uh, to just uh, respond to the Lord on that. All right? And then uh, I want to also encourage you, our birthday gift to Jesus. This is just incredible what God has done. We prayed for 80000 and God has brought in so far $112,534. Can we give God a hand? That is just, just incredible. Just incredible. I thank you for your, for your faithfulness in giving, your faithfulness in praying. We ask you to pray for 80000 ask you to pray about your part and uh, that we would hit the goal. So we have hit the goal. We have exceeded the goal. So what we're going to be able to do, now this is really exciting. We're going to be able to take and send all those missionaries, not only what we, what we said we would send them, but we're going to be able to send them an amount above and beyond, like a bonus, if you will. And so we're just going to send these funds on out of here. We'll keep a small portion of that back to help missionaries throughout the year as needs arise, but we are going to send a, a, a most of that is going to leave here. So if they were getting 1000 they may get 1500 And uh, what, what an exciting thing that is. Isn't that? Let's give God a hand. What a, what a great thing, you know? What a great thing. 
to, to my knowledge, we never had to have that discussion. Well, what do we do if we go over the goal, right? We always discuss what do we do if we don't make the goal. But uh, this year, God has been doing Ephesians 3.20 exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think, more than you could even dream. And so our God, that's just one thing that God's doing. I'm excited about the future here at Crossroads. I'm excited about 2017. God is going to do some big things here. There were several people that have come to Christ just in the last week here at the church, and, uh, and, and more and more are happening. You are bringing your friends, you're bringing them into a growing relationship with Jesus. God is working, so I just want to encourage you, be encouraged this morning, because our God is alive, and He is working, and He is moving in our congregation, and that there is one aspect of it, and as we, we're reaching out every day, reaching around the world as well. So this time, I'd like to invite our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. If you're here as a guest, today's your first time. We want to encourage you to let that offering pass you by. We, uh, this is for those that are growing in the grace of giving, and uh, if you are a guest, please stop by our Welcome Center today. We have a, a nice gift for you out there just to thank you for being here today. So let's go to the Lord, shall we, in prayer. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. Thank you for the, uh, the miracles that are happening all around us, Lord. I thank you. When I, when I hear people that have opened their heart to you, Lord, and said yes to a relationship with Jesus, they said that you're real, that you are God, and that you're worthy of following. God, thank you for what you're doing in these folks' lives. I thank you for the families that are being transformed in the, in the midst of all this. I thank you for uh, changed lives, people that are coming to Christ. You are an incredible God. Thank you for giving us that mission to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. God, now as we come together and we worship you, we thank you for this offering of the, uh, the birthday gift to Jesus that has just exceeded all of our expectations. We're, we're just amazed at what you've done here. And God, uh, we come before you now and we thank you for, for what you have done and, and we bless your name. And as we continue to give to you, Lord, as we give to you of our first fruits, Lord, we thank you that you are God, you are a provider, and we can worship you. In your name we pray, amen.
believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy talking about reset how to
And uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be nice if there were a button like that, that you could just hit that button and uh, you'd be reset by morning? And uh, I know we try to get a good night's sleep and hope that that will reset us. But we're talking about some key areas of your life, how to, how to reset some big areas of your life. Last week we talked about time and we said that time is an opportunity. Uh, the, the word time and opportunity come from the same root word. So if we look at time as opportunity, the time that you have here on earth is your opportunity to in, impact your family, impact the world around you, to work for God. It is a huge opportunity. So the Bible tells us to redeem the time. And so last week we looked at our time. We, we looked at our schedule and said, what needs to be on here so that I am redeeming the time? How am I making a wise use of every opportunity that I have? So uh, we put up here, there was 15 and 30. Those were suggestions for you to meet with God. Uh, time that you could put on your calendar. And if you don't put it on your calendar, if you, if you don't plan it, it typically doesn't happen. So we come and we put 15 and 30 minutes on there. Uh, maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's in the evening. Uh, we put time for worship. You're here this morning. It's, and it's wonderful. We're here. We're worshiping the Lord together. But, but it's on your calendar. You, you've made a point. You said, okay, this is important. Uh, it's not I'm coming if there's nothing else going on. I'm going. This is my priority. And every now and then I can't make it because there are things that I have to attend to. All right? But this is, this is your priority. There's life groups. We've been getting into life groups, getting people connected. And, and as they get into these life groups, man, I'm hearing some incredible stories of people growing. Uh, one person was in, in this church shared with me, they said they've been in a church for a long time. And then they got into a life group and God changed their life. It was life transformational. They said not that church was bad experience before, but whenever they found a life group, they found a group of people that they could share life with. They found a group of people that they could grow in Christ with. They began to, their growth became accelerated. So I want to encourage you, do that. We said if you put a date night on, okay, what it would do for your marriage. Uh, take the opportunity. What, uh, what, what is the time that you will spend with your spouse, uh, with the relationships that are important to you? A date night. How about a family night? Uh, how about there's class? Maybe you're going to take a class. And so we looked at that all last week. And today I want to look at an area of reset, a way that you can reset your life every day, actually every week. We're going to look at a weekly reset. And as you think about a weekly reset, you want to come back. Why are we talking about reset? Because we want to reset our purpose and come back, come back to the purpose that God designed you. God has a, God's the creator. He's the one who designed you. He gave you a purpose. And so if you have your Bible, flip over with me this morning to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at how God made us. Uh, uh, Genesis 1 is, is just a beautiful, beautiful passage. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. And so out of nothing, ex nihilo, out of nothing, God creates. And so as you, as you look at that last week, we talked about Moses said, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. But we had a beginning, and that was when he created the heavens and the earth. There was the beginning for us, the beginning for mankind. So here we're going to look this morning on, uh, on Genesis 1.26. Then God said, so he's made all of creation. Uh, you go through the six days of creation. He's made the animals, he's made the water, he's made the fish in the sea, he's made light. Now look here, he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He says, let them have the dominion. He, let us make man in our image. Here's the first reference we see to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were present at creation. And he says, God says here, let us make man in our image. So what does that mean for you? You are created in the image of God. Do you understand that? You are not the image of what somebody else wants you to be. You are, your identity, this, we live in a world that's filled with identity crisis. Have you noticed that? I, I hear this word identity all over the place. Your identity comes from Jesus. It comes from God, comes from your creator. 
Uh, your identity is not something that you feel within. It's not something that you feel on the outside. It's not a right. It is who God has made you. And as you look and you say, okay, God has made me in the image of God. Now, let's start there. If you are made in the image of God, what does that mean? It means that you are a spiritual being. There's a dimension of you that will live on beyond this earth. You are a spiritual being. You are not just physical. Aren't you thankful for that? I know I certainly am. (laughs) I'm looking, I'm saying, all right, thank God there's more to me than what you see. Uh, There's a spiritual, I'm a spiritual being. I'm a personal being. You are a personal being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. Uh, You're a moral being. You are a relational being. You are a a rational being. Some of you say, well, not all of us, right? You're a rational being. You're able to to use your rational. Uh, Emotional. We have emotions. God's given us those emotions. Uh, we have, uh, we, we're creative beings. And so the list goes on. How are we made in the image and the likeness of God? Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, Genesis 1 here, we see that God has made made us in his image. The, the, the term there for uh, in, in his image is salem. And it's, it's like this. When God made us, he put a very part of us in him. It's that close. He says that I have made you. You are made in my image. You are the likeness of me. And I don't often think of myself in those terms. But yet, if we go here and we look at Genesis chapter 1, there's where we have to understand. If we can all come back, do you realize so much of the confusion in our world today comes right here? If we could understand where our identity comes from, it comes from God. He created us, and in His image, He created us. Uh, when, you, when you think about that this morning, for man, uh, 1 Corinthians eleven seven 7 says this, For man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory. There it is. We're a mirror of the glory of God. We're, we're to reflecting His glory. Your very purpose in life comes from the one who created you. You were made in His likeness. And then God says something very interesting in verse 31. He says, Then God saw everything, Genesis 1.31, Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Bible says that the next thing that happened was that God rested. Look in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he restored and, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. In other words, he set it apart because it is he, because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. Um, I want you to think about this. God created you. He gave you a purpose. And then at the end of his creation, he sits down and he says, it's time for a day off. Now, did God take a day off because creation really taxed him? Was it that God needed a break? Do you think that God needed a break? No, God didn't need a break. He took that day as as a model for us. He sat down and he looked at the work that he had done and he had delight in it and he rejoiced in it. And he said, well done. This is very good. He didn't just say good. It's very good. I mean, this is, this is incredible. The God of the universe sits down and he rests. And he says, okay, today is a day of rest and I will set this apart. And what he did was he modeled for us how we're supposed to live. And there we're going to talk about today this thing that God has given us to reset weekly. The, the weekly reset is known as the Sabbath. Uh, God modeled rest for us. It was the first day. Now, now think about this. So man is created on day six. On day seven, God is resting. What is it happening for man? The very first day that man's alive, he gets a day off. Isn't that cool? You know? Be like you got a new job. You go in to get your new job, and they say, okay. Go ahead home. It's your first day. Take the day off, right? God creates Adam, and his first day is rest. Rest is important. 
But I want to take it a step further. It's rest in the presence of God. And I think our culture is filled with so much busyness. You know, we love to be busy. We wear busyness like it's a badge of honor. Have you ever noticed that? We're, we're just uh, constantly in overdrive. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Energizer bunny rabbit is kind of the model for how people run their life. It's just like uh, we keep going and going and going and going. But even the Energizer batteries die, folks, okay? Even the door cell batteries are going to die. We have to take rest. Rest is an important part of this, this life that God has given us. And, and if God didn't model it, now listen, God modeled rest for us. If he didn't model it, it wouldn't be as important. But he modeled it. This is highly important, folks. And yet we live in the modern era where we think that, you know, we, you know, we just don't have to worry about that Sabbath thing anymore. But let's look at what Sabbath means. The word Sabbath comes from a, a Hebrew word, Shabbat. And it means this. It means to cease and desist. Cease and desist. In other words, take a break, rest. We are going to stop for a day. Um, You're going to come and you're going to take the the overdrive and you're going to stop and you're going to slow it down. Because here's what happens. When we are so busy, when we are just running at the speed of light, here's a couple things that happen in our life. We are over, not only are we overwhelmed with being busy, but then we hear things like stress. Have you heard, have you noticed the past few years, we see a lot of talk about stress? There's a lot of talk about stress in the media. Uh, You can go buy a natural herb for your stress. You can buy a squeeze ball for your stress. You can go to Brookstone. And, you know, I love going into Brookstone because when you go to the the mall with your wife, that's where the husbands go, right? We sit in Brookstone, and I sit on that chair, and I do that thing, and I'm just laying there waiting for her to get done. And she comes back, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, I just took care of all my stress, okay? And and just enjoy those times. Uh, that whole store is filled with things that will help you with your stress and, and de-stress. And then, then we have anxiety. It's an all-time high today. Uh, listen, here's, here's, what, here's what's behind all this business. All this busyness is creating a people that are saying, I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I can't keep up. And, and maybe I'm just not good enough because I can't keep up. And, and we're worn out, and it's like we're screaming out of control. In the meantime, God says, let me give you the reset button. Here it is. It's Shabbat. Cease and desist. Take a day off. Take a day and set it aside holy as unto the Lord. He modeled it. He gave us the guide. Um, the children of Israel. We're going to go over to Exodus 16, uh, verse 23 here in just a minute. Uh, and if you have your Bible, you can turn over there, Exodus 16, 23. But I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. The, the children of Israel, we talked about Moses last week and how he led them. Well, before Moses arrives on the scene, the children of Israel were slaves for 430 years. 430 years, and they remember their, their father, you know, the, the father Abraham had, had given the promise, and they knew about the promise from father Abraham, and they understood that God would be there, God would make their nation great, but they didn't understand it because they were slaves, and they went to work day in and day out, day in and day out. They were working as slaves. They were brick-making. You know, the Egyptians, they have all this, this building, all the pyramids. Very interesting. I'd love to go over there and tour all those historical sites one day. These, these Israelites were the Egyptian slaves, and they were known as slaves, and they went to work hard every day. Every day they went to work, and they worked hard. And let me tell you, here's one thing about a slave. A slave didn't get a day off. There was no weekends off for the slave. A slave worked seven days a week. It was a nonstop, and and if they worked hard, life tended to be a little bit better for them. And so they they had this, what was happening was the people of Israel were becoming identified as slaves. They were getting their identity from something on the outside. They let uh, somebody on the outside tell them who they are. They said that we are slaves, and therefore, and they had all these trickle down from that thought. And so... God says, I'm going to keep my promise to the children of Israel. And he sends Moses along. Moses comes along and Moses takes the children of Israel, guides them out, and now they're in a desert. And the 40-year wandering. And so at this point, Exodus 16, God has to give these former slaves, 430-year history of slaves. He has to give these former slaves, these people identified as a slave. They understood work hard, work hard, work hard. And they got all their identity in their work. 
Now God says, I'm going to reset your identity. I want you to understand who I am. And so look what he does here. This is uh, Exodus 16, verse 23. He says, and so it was on the sixth day. I'm, I'm sorry, verse 23. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Some translations have in there, uh, this is what the Lord commanded. Uh, when you see that word command, the Lord has said, the idea in the original writing here is that the Lord is commanding, but it, it, is, it is in your best interest. God is saying this because this is what is best for you, okay? So he says, this is what is best for you. This is what I want you to do. God's making a command here. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay out for yourselves all that remains to be kept till morning. Uh, what, what had happened was they were in the desert and God said, I am Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. I am the one who will provide. Nobody else is your provider. Pharaoh's not your provider. I'm your provider. So God would bring this stuff called manna. And the manna would be out there every morning. And he told them, go out and, and go gather up enough for that day. They had a, a measuring cup, if you will. It was, it was an omer. It was their, their device used for measuring. And so that, they would go out and they would measure up an omer for each person in their household. And they would bring it back to their house. And God told them, don't get more than one day's worth. Just go out and get one day's. And as a matter of fact, if you take more than one day's, it will spoil. So they would go out and they would gather up one. And if they would go out and gather up two or three days' worth, by the next morning there would be worms in it. There would be, uh, it would be spoiled. It would just rot. And so it was this fresh food that God would give them. Uh, it was flaky. I guess they made some sort of bread type of thing out of it. And they would bring this stuff in, and, and, and they would gather it, but only enough for that day. And then, then God told me, he says, on the sixth day, he says, so there's seven days in the week, six days, on, so five days you gather one. On the sixth day you gather a double portion. And hold that because on the seventh day you will rest. And look what happens. The people gather it. And now remember, if they gather it on the first day, they gather a double portion, it's going to turn into worms. It's going it's it's to rot. Look what happens. Verse 24. So they laid it up till morning and Mo, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, and, there were, and they, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. So God tells him, on the sixth day I'm going to provide for you. Go out and gather a double portion, because on the seventh day there will be none out there, and I'll make that last. You know, if you read further on that passage, you'll find that some people still went out on the Sabbath day after God told them not to do it. <laughs> Could you imagine that God's giving you food every day? And then they say, well, we've got to provide. I have to go out. I have to work. I've got to find it. Because that's what slaves did. See, slaves, they had their identity. They understood if Pharaoh was happy, they were happy. If they went to work, they were happy. And so they're out in this, in this desert, and God says, don't go out on the Sabbath. I, don't go out. And as if you go out, there won't be any. And you know what? People went out, and there was nothing there. On day number seven, there was no, no food out there because God give, gave them the double portion on day six. It was, it was an ultimate about who God is. He is the Lord. He is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And so what he told the children of Israel to do, he says, I know that you can work, and I know that you work hard. And God does bless hard work. God does want us to go out and work hard. But he says there's a key point here. You have to rest. You have to stand back. If the God of the universe creates all of creation, then he stands back and admires it, looks at his work and says, this is very good. How many times should we do that? I mean, this is the seven-day cycle. And he put it in there for us to do that on, on seven, uh, every seventh day. Um, what he was saying here, he was saying that God is nothing like Pharaoh. God is nothing like Pharaoh. He was communicating a message by this Sabbath, by this Shabbat, take a day off, cease and desist for a day, stop your work. You're not to go out and produce on one day a week. When he, when he did that, he was sending a message that God is nothing like Pharaoh. 
And this morning I ask you this question, who are the Pharaohs in your life? What is it? Who is it that you are trying to impress out there? Somebody that is something in your life that is driving you that you can never take a break. What is there anybody in, in your life that would be like that? I understand that Johnny Cash in the movie Walk the Line. He, uh, he just wanted to make his dad happy. He had a, a, a brother who was two years older than him and his brother died at a young age. And so all, all of Johnny's life, he was trying to impress his dad. And he just wanted favor from his dad. He just wanted his dad to be happy with him. So Johnny Cash goes out and, and he starts his career. And he starts making money and he buys a big house. He brings his dad over and says, look, dad, look at how successful I've been. Look at this house. And Johnny's dad looks at him and says, that's nice. And Johnny runs off and Johnny goes through this whole thing. And he finally realizes, I just can't make my dad happy. Who's a Pharaoh in your life? Is, is it something that maybe your parents said to you as a child? Is it something that somebody around you has said? Maybe, maybe it's the culture that we live in, just trying to keep up with the Joneses, uh, just trying to keep up with the neighbors. Just, just, is, is it something inside that you've set a goal that you can't even please yourself? God said six days to work. We can work hard six, but one day a week we take a Sabbath. We, we back off. Deuteronomy is a great book. Deuteronomy is a book where, where you see God's, God's telling them to remember. And Moses is, is trying to remind the people that God has been faithful. And, and he keeps using the word. If you read, you read the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see this theme over and over. Remember, 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 remember. So I just think about that. You know, don't we sometimes have a tendency to remember the things that we're supposed to forget? And then we forget the things that we should remember. See, that's what was happening with the children of Israel. They were out there in the desert, and they were just going out, and they're trying to live. They're trying to succeed. They're trying to survive in a desert, if you will. And then God, God uses Moses, and he says, remember, remember, remember. So how many times are there things that you remember that you should forget, like your past? How many times has your past haunted you? Has, has the enemy come up and brought things into your face and said, see, you're no good because of that? See, those are things we're supposed to forget. What are we supposed to remember? The goodness of God. We're supposed to remember who he is. We're supposed to remember his character. Because I'll, I'll share this with you. We all have a past, don't we? We all have a yesterday. We all have a today that we still make failures in. And so as we try to go into tomorrow, we cannot let those things hold us back. We have to look unto God. Who is he? What is his character? What is he? He is my provider. So he goes through and he's reminding the people. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 5, God's preparing the children of Israel uh, for the promised land. And look what Moses tells them here. He says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all, your, all that God has commanded you. Six days uh, you, uh, you shall labor to the, uh, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you or nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, nor your donkey or any of your animals, nor the alien, the foreigner living within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservants may rest as you do. He says, I want you to rest. I, and not only do I want you to rest, I want everybody in your, your whole clan, I want everybody to rest. I want, this is so important. I want you to rest and come into his presence. Enjoy the presence of God. You, you know, the, uh, the, the, this command there, it's in, in, the, in the Ten Commandments, it's seated at number four. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The first three are direct relationship to God. The last six are relationship to others, how, how we interact with other people. And then number four helps us with both. Because when we keep the Sabbath, when we, when we take a day of rest, and folks, it doesn't necessarily have to be on Sunday. It can be any day of the week, but that it is a priority that you have taken a day where you're not producing. Okay, when we do that, when we, when we give this unto the Lord, and, uh, and, and when we do that, it transforms not only our relationship with God, but it transforms my relationship with everybody else. Because now I'm not skimming on relationships. 
Now I'm not running at the speed of light that I've forgotten the value of my family. Now I'm not running so hard that, the, that, that my bank account means more than my love account, all right? Uh, it's, it's that I, I'm able to keep going. I'm able to stop and pause. And my family has a little bit more attention. My God has a little bit more attention. I've set it as holy as unto the Lord. Uh, one of the things that we have to really watch is the, are these phones. I, I know we work a five-day week in our country, right? But these phones have a tendency to grab us. Uh, you, you can be working. You can be, you can be on your smartphone. All the time, and you can always be thinking about business. You can always be thinking about your job. You can always be thinking about how to get another job. It's amazing what we do. I've uh, go out to a restaurant and just watch how many people aren't talking to each other anymore at the table. They're looking at each other's phones. You know, it's kind of cool. You know, thirty dollars for that meal, and they got to have great fellowship the whole time. You know, just moving that up and down. Uh, We we can become consumed by by the things uh, that 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 want that we want to succeed. God says, "Take a break, I back off, and and worship Him. Set it as holy unto the Lord, and worship Him." You see, here's what it is. It's all about trust. It's all about trust. And when I come to trust God, I can understand this principle: that less is more. Can you say that with me? Less is more. That is really a principle I see all over the scripture, that less is more. God says, I'm your provider. Go out, children of Israel, gather up enough manna for today. Not for tomorrow, for today. And what does God do? God blesses. Less is more. Uh, now, I believe that we're all, we all produce at different levels, don't we? Some of, some of you go out and you produce a lot more in eight hours than others will produce in eight hours. But the point is we all go out, we work, and we produce, and then we could keep producing seven days a week. But God says, take one day and make it holy unto the Lord. Stop striving. Stop. Your body needs a, a reset. Your body needs time down. Your mental state needs time down. Your emotional state. Everything needs time down. Reset it and let God be the priority. Put God at a higher place. Now let me show you this. Here, here's, here's the same principle here on tithing. We come here and we know that God's told us to give. We, we set a goal of 10% that we give unto the Lord, right? So he's given you 100%. And so many people will tell me this. Hey, listen, uh, I'm just trying to get from point A to B in my life. And uh, there is no way that I could live on less than 100% of my income. And people will share that with me. And there are truly legitimate concerns there because there are bills, there are, there are mistakes from yesterday. There's all kinds of things. And we say, man, you know, I, I cannot live on anything less than what I'm making. But God comes along and God says, I want you to come and I want you to take your income and I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me that I am God and that I will produce for you so out of what you gather, and this was an Old Testament principle. It was all over there. You see it. He says from point A to B, you live on 90%. Give the other 10% to God. And when we do that, guess what God does? Somehow, he takes it further, and we get the point C on 90%. And so I, I see this over and over. I hear people tell me all the time, when I first started to learn how to tithe, it was so hard for me to let go. It was so hard for me to give up, to let go of that, and it was a big deal. And I always tell people, if you're just starting to tithe, start at 1%. You'll never miss it. Start at 1% and then keep going up. Keep going up and watch, watch what God will do. And if you're giving it 10 you can keep going. God didn't say 10% is a magic number. Uh, give 8%. Give 12%. This is between you and God. The principle here is that we are living on less. And we are trusting who when we do that. When I live on less, I trust on God. So, so now let's come over to the, to the days of the week. Because it's really the same principle. So not only do I give him the top portion, the first fruits, when I come to my days of the week, the question is, how many days in a week do you need? God's given us seven days a week. And if you go out and you work hard seven days a week, certainly you will produce more on that seventh day. But could it be that God would take care of you and that your emotional state, your body, everything about you will succeed a little bit more if... You say, 
I'm going to work six days. Now, I realize we're in American culture. We only work five days, right? But what happens on those days off? Are we resting in his presence? You know, in 1965, there was a, a, a U.S. Senate subcommittee. And, uh, and they, they, they did a study. And this is rather interesting. It says here, in 1965, a U.S. Senate subcommittee predicted that as a result of increasing labor productivity from the automation and cybernation, in other words, the computer revolution, that Americans would be working only about 20 hours a week by the year 2000, while taking seven weeks or more of vacation a year. Anybody like to send this to Mr. Trump? <laughs> okay, listen, I, 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 want, I want to encourage you. Uh, we think that life is going to get easier. Do you know what the computer generation has done, the computer revolution? It's just made you get a whole lot more done in eight hours. There's not going to be seven or eight weeks on the average American of vacation. Uh, and if we're not careful, we can work ourselves till there's no more left of us. I respect... Kathy Truitt. He's the owner of Chick-fil-A. Kathy Truitt wrote a book. It's called, It's Easier to Succeed Than to Fail. And you know what Kathy Truitt did? He, he set up, he took this principle from, from Exodus there, or from Deuteronomy, and he said, I'm not going to work on Sunday, and neither will anybody else in Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. And there's just one problem. I love to eat Chick-fil-A on Sunday, you know? It'd be great, you know? I mean, you, you go out, it's like, where are you going to go for lunch today? You want to go to Chick-fil-A. But God blessed him. And God took a guy who says that he didn't invent chicken, just a chicken sandwich, <laughs> and he went out, and God blessed his business. And it's, it's even in Pittsburgh, I mean, you know, from the south all the way up here to Pittsburgh. Uh, God has blessed him. And I want to encourage you to take your life and take that same principle. Maybe it's not Sunday. I understand we live in a society where there are all kinds of things that are happening. Sometimes your work requires you to be there. That's why we have a Saturday night service to help people uh, of all, all schedules. And maybe, you're, maybe your Sabbath is on Tuesday. Maybe it's on Friday. But whatever day, is there a day that you can sit back and you can say, okay, today is the day that I think about higher things. I think about the God thing. And I think about who he is and what he's doing in my life. Can I sit back and worship him today and just rest, just honor God for who he is? Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weak, and I will give you rest. This morning, I'd like to invite you to enjoy God's rest, to know that he is God and that he, is, he, has, he has it all under control. And there's a seven-day rest. There's a seven-day reset button. So once, once a week, you get to hit that reset button and rest. And so today, you're here to worship the Lord, and may I encourage you to take the rest of the day and rest. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your family, but rest. And, and don't let your mind be so consumed with other things, but rest. Rest in his presence. He says, come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This will change your life if you come and get the rest in his presence. Jesus loved you so much. He died on a cross. He paid for your sin. He gave you eternal life. And he says, come to me. So this morning, if that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I have not started a relationship with God. My identity has been based on what people around me say, what I feel, but I, or whatever. God, I want to come, and I want rest today. I want rest in your presence. I'm going to ask you this morning, if that's you, to give God a try. To give God the opportunity in your life. And just re invite him in, respond to him this morning. Pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. You died on the cross to pay for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And God, I'm going to stop trying to earn heaven today. 
I'm going to just rest in you. What you did for me, I invite you into my life. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to share that with somebody. That you just pray, just, just share with somebody, hey, today God stepped into my life. And for others in this place, maybe God's been speaking to you about just hitting the reset button. Not just stopping work, but turning to Him. Because if it's just about stopping work, plenty of self-help out there. But God was way beyond all that stuff. God says, stop your work and turn to me. Give me your attention for a day. Rest in my presence. Know that I am God. Know that I'm your provider. Know that I love you and that everything is going to be okay when you go back to work on Monday because I am that I am. God, I love you and I thank you for your great word. Thank you for the lessons that you've taught through the children of Israel that we can take and we can apply them into our life. Thank you that we are made in the image of God. I pray this morning, Lord, for our congregation as we respond to you, Lord. Would you let your word speak deeply into our hearts? In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please?